0: Shalom, ah. you're listening to Watered Womanhood, the podcast for women walking in the truth of who Yahuwah the Most High says we are, where we uncover what it means to be his bride. I'm Raba Shah Aloha Lani, founder of The Hebrew Housewife, a set-apart homemaking blog for the daughters of Israel. I've been studying the word all my life and ministering to Israelite sisters since 2019 by the grace of Abenawa with original homemaking tips, biblical marital advisory, and and truth-based devotionals. Join me in building up the kingdom at Watered Womanhood on Instagram, the Hebrewhousewife.com, and right here as we fellowship in spirit and in truth. Shalom everybody. I know it's been a little over a month since I have shared an episode with you, and for that, I'm very sorry. I just want to thank you for being patient. I want to thank you for continuing to have faith in what The Most High is doing through this podcast. And once again, I want to let you know that I really do appreciate all of the support and love that your sisters have shared with me. And um, you know, just the fact that you're allowing The Most High to use you in my life through this process, because in case you're unaware, <laughs> making a podcast is not the most simple thing in the world. It takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of creativity and it takes a lot of patience, which is definitely something that I am learning to cultivate during this season of my life. Um, And podcasting is also not very easy when you're a homemaker and you have lots of work at home and domestic chores (laughs) to tend to. And as I said, plenty of times, I believe, you know, recently on this platform, this season has just been very busy for us. My husband has been working a lot. However, He has the entire month of December off for vacation. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to be enjoying some traveling. We're going to visit the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. I've never been. And so I'm really excited about that. We're going to visit my in-laws and we're going to just love each other. We're going to love on each other and we're just going to spend a lot of time Together, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to being able to give my husband my undivided attention and for him to give me his. I'm looking forward to being in the Word together. I'm looking forward to just enjoying the cold weather and the rain, um, and you know, maybe potentially lighting our fireplace. I don't know, I've never lit a fireplace before, so I'm really stoked about that. Um, and I can't wait because I love fire. I love the ambiance. I love the warmth. I love the sounds, the crackling. So I can't wait to see how having a fire indoors is going to shift the atmosphere of my home for the season. That's something that, you know, I'm just uh, I'm loving about the season, you know, <clears throat> I know that it's really hard for us, you know, as a people, to have our spirits high during this time when, for everybody around us, they have their pagan holiday seasons and, um, you know, gathering together with their family in celebration of pagan holidays. And so I just want to encourage you to still enjoy this time, even if you're not engaging in pagan festivities. You can still light your fire, you can still roast your marshmallows, you can still enjoy winter activities, you know what I mean? That don't have to be about, um, Honoring paganism. So now I want to give a special shout out to my listeners in Gambia, to my listeners in Trinidad and Tobago, to my listeners in the Netherlands, and also to my listeners in Germany. I was looking up uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was looking at my demographic statistics for this podcast recently. And I realized that I have a pretty sizable international viewership, and that's awesome. I believe in, I think, 23 countries, you know, wow. It really did come as a shocker to me that most of the international countries are either in Africa or Europe. Um, And that's beautiful to me. It's also very interesting because for the blog, it's a little bit different because most of the international viewership is either Europe or Asia. So that's really exciting to see the contrast in what, you know, different people prefer. Um, I guess, you know, (laughs) Europeans don't really care if it's listening or reading. Um, Africans prefer... To listen and Asians prefer to read. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm just, I'm really glad. Praise the Most High that we're expanding. Hallelujah. What more is there for me to say? Step, you know, bless his holy name. This is all his doing. If you're an international listener, thank you. I pray that this is beneficial to you. And I pray that, you know, one day we will connect in the Most High's will. Amen. So on to today's episode, being too feminine, that which pertained to a man. I want to discuss what it means if a woman is being too feminine. Is it possible for a woman to be too feminine? What is being too feminine and what does it look like? And I think this is going to help us uncover what we actually perceive femininity to be versus what it actually is according to the oracles of Yahuwah. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5 says, A woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, and a man shall not wear a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination unto Yahuwah Elohaikah. So let's talk about a woman's garment and a man's garment. And I don't just mean skirts, pants, bras and panties or hairstyles or makeup or any of those outward things because you're intelligent. And I believe we're already beyond the conversation of adornments and clothing and attire I believe that this scripture is also referring to the inward adornments, the spirituality that we take on, our personas, our mechanisms for dealing with life, our approach to life in the ways um, in which we communicate and connect to nature, to ourselves and to the people around us. I want to first start off by talking about a man's garment because we need to draw a contrast between masculinity and femininity. How else can we have a conversation about being too feminine if we don't understand how femininity is different from masculinity, right? So we know that typically in the scripture, there are a lot of things that we see ordained for men that are typically off limits for women, such as rulership, you know, the lineage of Judah and the kingship, the priesthood, right? The Levitical priesthood being in the... um the inner courts of the holy temple and offering sacrifices and, you know, just even baptizing people and, um, you know, teaching the word, having lordship over property. Um, and I think a great example of this is Ruth and Naomi's journey back to Israel to find provision after the men in their lives had perished. And when they returned to Israel, Naomi revealed to Ruth that she had a family property Um, that was supposed to be inherited by her sons and her sons died and, you know, they would have hoped to keep it. That would have been great. And not that they couldn't keep it, but it was, wasn't, you know, allowed for them to have lordship over it. So because of the laws in the land at the time, Naomi wasn't necessarily allowed to be the lord over the property and they needed a family redeemer. And if you don't know, a family redeemer is basically a designated survivor, if you will, in the family who serves to cover or retrieve lost property. You know, if the daughters or the female relatives have gone astray, um, this family redeemer is pretty much supposed to serve in the family in the way that Hamashiach has for us. So in their journey, it is very well illustrated to us that the feminine depends on the masculine for provision, for protection, for redemption, for leadership, for guidance and for security all around. And we see that also the masculinity is depending on the feminine for encouragement and direction and for um, just serving as that catalyst for that, that element of suspension and that element of propel, you know, um, because without needing to marry Ruth to redeem her, Boaz would not have become an ancestor of David. He would not have become a forefather of the royal blood. Just simply put. And speaking of what Hamashiach has done for us, He has played the ultimate masculine role in our lives, according to the scripture, because Revelations chapter 21 um, shows us that the body or the holy city, the children of Israel are the bride of Yahuwah. Isaiah chapter 54 also makes the same comparison. And also the entire book of Hosea demonstrates the same thing, that we are the woman, right? We are the bride we are the maid, our husband is Sabaoth, our husband is the Lord of Lords, our husband is the most high, and we are to be adorned as a bride for her husband according to the word. So in seeing what Hamashiach um, has done and how he's carried himself, what he's provided, the kind of sacrifices he's made, and also the expectations he had, will allow us to understand what biblical masculinity looks like, what we should be praying for in our husbands as well, And how we're supposed to differ as women while also attaining the same purity because we're one body. So, what are some of the things that a masculine man like Hamashiach did? Well, he sacrificed his time, he sacrificed his energy, he sacrificed all of his essence and his being to heal people, to pray for people to visit people when they were sick, when they were homeless, if they were orphaned, if they were widows. He fasted and remained in fellowship with our father. He led people. He wasn't afraid to speak the truth and he wasn't afraid to rebuke where it was necessary. But what I really love about him is that he wasn't afraid to be tender where it was necessary as well. And if we're being honest, Hamashiach doesn't just show us the ultimate path of masculinity. He also shows us the ultimate path of femininity too, because we cannot attain true femininity unless we depend on thorough divine masculine energy. And that is exactly what Hamashiach did. He depended on the thorough divine masculinity of the most high, our provider, our protector, our father, and our husband. To give him everything that he needed and to sustain him and guide him and replenish him as he fulfilled his duties and his role. Hamashiach took full responsibility for his flocks, right? His people, the things that were under his care. And we see that at the end of the day, no matter what's going on in the home, the burden, the responsibility, and the consequences ultimately fall on the man because he is the head and the lordship has been given to him and that is why even with Adam and Eve you know Eve led her husband to partake in the forbidden fruit and we need to be real about that however Adam was also punished why because she was his responsibility he had lordship over her she belonged to him and the garden was his to take care of And even though it was not his idea or his leadership that led them to this desecration, it happened on his watch. So now that we see a little bit about what biblical masculinity looks like in the scripture, let's also talk about biblical femininity as well in contrast. Now, this is something that I have covered frequently already through this podcast and also on my blog, The Hebrew Housewife. If you have not checked that out, I would definitely recommend it because um, I also have a post entitled, A Woman's Garment, which is kind of similar to what we're discussing today. But through the podcast, I want to give a little bit more in-depth analysis in relation to how we view femininity and what we really mean when we say, oh, that sister is being too feminine. So when we look at the scriptures, we see the daughters of Israel, And even some Gentile sisters who make an appearance, they're taking care of their homes, they're bearing children for their husbands, they're praying and fasting, they're cooking, they're showing hospitality to strangers, you know. They provide a nice presentation when they have guests, but they're not just homemakers. We also see these women girding their loins. We see these women going out into the market to sell garments that they make or crops from their own little gardens. We see them gleaning um, fields. We see them shearing sheep and watering flocks. We see these women partaking in hard labor and getting their hands dirty sometimes. And it's very easy for us to perhaps mistake this as doing a man's work. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, where the first woman was created, or rather where Eve was created for Adam, the Most High said, it is not good for a man to be alone. So the primary purpose of femininity is to accompany, right? To be present and to provide for masculinity, what masculinity cannot do for itself. And the secondary purpose for femininity, for Eve's case, was to be a helper. Now, I want to say early in 2021, right, earlier this year, I was praying to the Most High about what his intentions were for giving Eve to Adam. And what did he want Adam to experience with her? What was his purposes for bringing them together? You know, what is a husband supposed to feel with his wife? And after this prayer, I was expecting a really intricate answer. I was expecting the Most High to tell me something really profound and something that I would not, understand something that I would need to meditate upon for a while before I really, you know, grasped it fully. But the Most High said something really simple to me after I prayed and sought his wisdom. He told me that a man is supposed to feel his wife's total presence. And I just thought, wow, that is the simplest thing that a wife can give her husband and yet, because we have so much going on throughout our daily daily lives, our total presence happens to be the main thing that's often lacking if we're being honest. So femininity is not just what a woman does for her family and her home, but it is also who she is and the softness that she brings to the table through her natural biological composition, the agreeability with which she carries herself, the sensuality and the efficiency that she contributes to the world around her. Um, I'd like to bring up this small point only briefly, that there is a reason the enemy wants women in the workforce and not in the home, because the enemy wants to take God's role in our life as our husband and as our provider. The enemy wants women completely dependent upon the system because the enemy knows that women are the keepers of the home. And if they can get to the women, they can get to the home. And if they can get to the home, they can get to the children. And if they can get to the children, they can control the future in theory. And I believe that the exponential growth and expansion of the corporate world all over the globe has been credited to the efficiency that we saw blooming after women were added to the workforce. And there's a correlation between the efficiency of economies flourishing after women joined the workforce in comparison to the decline of the quality of life, the quality of living and men's mental health decline, because now women are doing men's role And women have discarded men for the most part. Um, I believe that men definitely work harder than women. This is a fact. Men can do things that we cannot do, but I believe that women work smarter and not harder. And this is why we cannot pit femininity and masculinity against one another. And whether you see it or not, that's exactly what you're doing when you tell another sister that she's being too feminine, or when you allow someone else to make you believe that you're being too feminine. And what does that mean? What does that really mean? You're being too feminine. Typically, when someone says that to a woman, what they're really saying is, you're being too womanly, you're being too girly, you're being too dainty, you're being too soft, you're being too vulnerable, or sometimes it can mean you're putting yourself in harm's way. Why are you acting like that when it's not required of you? Um, why Don't you want to be a normal woman? Turn yourself down a little bit. Two things on that. Number one, I don't believe that it's anyone's place except a woman's husband or father Or mother to tell her when she's being haughty, when she's being too feminine, when she's being too girly or too dainty, or when she's being too soft, or when she has her nose in the air, um, or if she thinks she's too good for something. Because at the end of the day, that may be what her husband desires of her. That may be how her father raised her to be. And there's something to be noted from women who are, quote unquote, hyper-feminine. They are very shielded. They are very kept. They're very protected from a lot of unnecessary drama, especially romantically, sorry, because most men who come into contact with this hyper understand that they're going to have to bring the table and not just bring <laughs> a little bit to the table or bring something to the table, but they're going to build the table for this well-rested feminine woman and no woman should ever have to lower her standards or be inauthentic to her calling as a feminine woman just to make other people more comfortable so if you are not that sister's mother father or husband or guardian please do not discourage a sister especially a black woman from being feminine because at the end of the day This is who we are. This is what we're supposed to be. And we should be embracing femininity. And if you think that sister is being haughty or being proud or whatever, pray for her. Offer a prayer for her, sincere prayer for her, and don't seek to especially publicly humiliate her. The second thing on this, we should be trying to understand why we get so bothered when we see a feminine woman. Um, And the types of assumptions we make about her, just because she looks clean, or maybe she looks like she put a lot of time or even money into her appearance, if she speaks softly, or if she's just very nurturing and quiet, why do we assume that she's being stuck up or snobbish? Why do we assume that she thinks she's better than us, or she thinks she's better than less feminine women? And most importantly, why do we want to humble her so badly? Why are we so desperate to knock her off whatever pedestal that you think she's on? The scripture says that a woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man. And we've seen that manhood adorns itself with authority and leadership, provision, protection, and self-sacrifice. Masculinity adorns itself with the volume of the voice, with demands and order, and with a get-it-done attitude masculinity approaches um, productivity with um, result-driven mentality and not necessarily being fixated on the process. And I'm sure those of you who are married know exactly what I mean, that your husband tends to be more concerned with you simply getting your chores done instead of obsessing over the little details involved. Whereas women, we tend to be more process-oriented and focusing on the finite details and the things that perhaps others won't notice, but we know that women who are like-minded notice, and we're going to notice. So if we are not to wear a man's garment outwardly or inwardly, is there really such a thing as being too feminine? The only reason we would ever say yes there is a such thing as being too feminine is because we don't really understand what femininity is. Being feminine being feminine is not just being dainty and femininity is not being above manual labor or being above humility. And in fact, when you look in the scripture as I said at our foremothers, you will see that these very feminine women, very soft-spoken, very humble, very well-kept and protected and provided for women were not above girding their loins and being flexible when it was needed. So we need to stop equating femininity with this caricature of some divine goddess who just sits in her holy chamber all day doing nothing except beautifying herself or maybe watering flowers or whatever it is, what kind of imagery that the world has fed you about ultimate femininity, because that's not scriptural. We need to learn a new vocabulary for approaching arrogance and haughtiness in what we say is stuck-up women. The word that we're looking for is not that she's too feminine. I think the word that we're looking for when we say this is that perhaps she's too proud. Perhaps she's just not humble enough. And I understand that no one likes a proud appearance, but it's also not our job, especially as women women. Who are trying to wear women's garments to attempt to humble another sister, unless that sister is your handmaid or your husband's concubine and she's under your rulership, that's a completely different thing. Because when we step out of our ordinance as a sister to try to humble somebody, we're no longer saying, I'm your sister. Now we're saying, I'm your head. I'm your leader. This is the order that I'm giving you. This is what you should follow that I believe Even if it goes against what pleases your husband or what your father has raised you to be. And again, if you don't believe that what that sister is following or how she's approaching her femininity is just and right, you should pray for that sister and do not attack her. Quick story time. And this is something that I've been really sensitive about, but I definitely want to share. Um, When I was about 16 years old, I was attending a private school, and the private school director took me to apply for jobs that would hire 16-year-olds at the time. And I wore a simple pink sweater with some um, blue jeans and some brown leather boots. I did my hair well. I had it up in like a cute little Afro pineapple And I think I had foregone makeup that day. So no makeup. I wasn't overly done. For me, this was a very basic presentation um, that I hoped would signal to any potential employers that I know how to grow myself and I know how to show up ready to labor. Now, I was in the world at the time, of course. Like I said, I was 16 and my then-boyfriend, who attended the same school, was also with me. And the director was taking us to different fast food restaurants. And we would go inside. We would get the application. We would come back and go to the next location. And every time that we went to the restaurants, my then-boyfriend would hold the door open for me. And towards the end of our journey, when we had went to all the restaurants and got all the applications... The school director was driving, who was driving us around, said to me, You need to stop doing that. You need to stop acting like that. And I said, Well, acting like what? Doing what? What do you mean? And he just said, You know what I mean. Don't argue. And I didn't know what he meant because I was just getting out the car. I was going into the building. I was telling them, hey, I need a job. I was getting my application, talking about their hours and their expectations. And then I was getting back in the car and going to the next location. I didn't have an attitude. I was excited about getting my first job. It wasn't a big deal to me. And it took me years to find out exactly what this man meant don't do that. Stop acting like that. It is only really now, years later, that I understand he did not want me to be feminine. He did not want me to be a woman. He wanted me to approach my work in a man's garment, in a man's way, with a man's mentality. But I didn't and I couldn't. He didn't want me to wear pink that day. He didn't want me to have my hair done that day. He didn't want my then boyfriend to hold any doors open for me. He didn't want me to go in and speak with a soft voice. I guess he wanted me to be (laughs) aggressive. You know, he wanted me to just show up looking however and just not be a lady. And unfortunately, that was the shift in my life that I realized Um, I really like this lifestyle and I want to continue to live it because, you know, being feminine, the result is chivalry and protection. And I saw that blossom in my life. Once I stopped listening to people telling me that I was being a certain way that I didn't have to be, yet they wouldn't say what that way was. And this was coming from a man who Who was a Christian, you know, because I was in the world at the time. I was a Christian. This is coming from a Christian man who believed in traditional gender roles for women and what a woman should be doing, but not in the ordinance that the Most High has for a man to be the protector and the provider of his home. And I remember being very angry right after that encounter because he obviously was very bothered by me, yet he really couldn't bring himself to say exactly what it was he was trying to correct in me. He just wanted to humble me so badly and wanted to see me down and sad and timid and afraid. And I understood then, upon this, you know, just revelation that black women, especially being feminine, makes other people so angry, so volatile, so intimidated. They get so bothered when we're feminine. They become vicious and malicious most of the time without even trying to be and without even realizing that that's what they're doing. And we as sisters, we have such a potent and divine feminine that people are so... uh, Just moved by to the point that it manifests in outward hatred and attacks. And we don't need to feed into that when we receive these attacks on our femininity. And we also don't need to give it to other sisters when we see their femininity either. We should feel inspired. We should feel happy for that sister. We should be thankful that she lives in an environment that is conducive to her femininity. And We should we shouldn't feel that, you know, she thinks she's too good to work, or we see her as being too good to work. And this is something that I see a lot when I myself as a housewife am questioned about my career and my education and my aspirations. And I reveal: look, I'm a homemaker, I love being a homemaker, and I do not plan to get a job at all whatsoever for as long as I can help it and for as long as I'm blessed to be able to stay home because whether you believe it or accept it or not I am happy with this my husband is happy with this arrangement and this is the best arrangement for my family this is my calling and the response that I get from everyone no matter how they package it is oh you're too good to work is that it What's wrong with working? Why can't you just get a job? Why do you want to be at home? And when they say this to me, do you know what I hear? I hear, why be feminine, right? Why be a traditional woman when we're living in the 21st century? Why follow this path? when you could wear a man's garment instead. (laughs) You don't have to wear that outdated garment that women have been wearing since the beginning of time now. Now you can do what a man does. You can act like a man. You can dress like a man. You can work like a man. Proverbs chapter 31 says, the proverbial woman girds her loins with strength. Some versions say she girds her loins with virtue. It does not say she girds her loins like a man. It does not say she's she's wearing a man's garment to gird. She girds her loins to get her job done. And contrary to what we believe about femininity that it's about rest and being soft and creating and nurturing, all of those things require some form of labor. Most of it is internal and most of it is spiritual and mental. People take one look at a homemaker or stay-at-home mom or just a traditionally feminine woman in general and think, you don't know anything about work. You don't know anything about labor. And that couldn't be further from the truth. We have the hardest jobs on the planet Motherhood and homemaking are full-time jobs, and being a woman is a full-time job in itself, at least I feel it is. So this idea that a feminine woman believes she's above work is so far from the truth, and we have a responsibility to not perpetuate that within our own community as a people, right, within the holy city, I have seen a spike in the rebellion against femininity from Israelite sisters. And most of it is coming from the young unmarried sisters or just the unmarried Israelite sisters in general. But some of it is also coming from married sisters as well, um, who really don't have families of their own. They don't really have a home to tend to, or they are neglecting their home. They just have too much time on their hands that they spend on the internet trying to fulfill a role in the community that has been given to men to preach, to teach um, the word and end time prophecies and all these different doctrines. And it seems as though anything feminine or floral or pink or dainty and soft They completely reject it. They rebuke it. And instead, they go for this princess warrior imagery and representation that they claim is more accurate for women in the Bible. But when we do see women in the Bible, um, when do we see them putting on armor? When do we see them putting on weapons to go to combat war? We don't see that. It's not there. Women in the Bible never had to be on the front lines. Women in scripture did not have to put on armor and go fight to go shoot arrows or, you know, pick up a sword. You know why? Because our men were doing that for us. They were fulfilling their masculine role and we were fulfilling ours. And just because we were not on the front lines, it does not mean that we weren't engaging in warfare. It just means we had a different tactical approach and task. When we went to war, we did it with prayer. We did it with fellowship. We did it with kindness. We did it with wisdom. We did it with discernment. And most importantly, we did it with obedience to the head of our military, which is the most high, who gives order to the men, who gives order to us. And one thing that the rebellious sisters who despise biblical femininity like to bring up is the book of Judith. They try to use Judith's warfare tactics as an example of princess warriorism, failing to acknowledge that Judith didn't go in guns blazing. She didn't have to go in wearing armor or a man's garment whatsoever. And in fact, the scripture is very clear in the book of Judith. Before she went in and cut a man's head off, she beautified herself. She put on her perfumes. She put on her garments of grace after she had finished praying and fasting. She didn't need a man's approach to get her job done. She didn't need masculinity That is not princess warriorism. That is biblical femininity. She girded her loins with strength and virtue while wearing a woman's garment, getting her work done in a feminine way. I can understand our frustration with femininity as Israelite women because we think that femininity doesn't work for us. We think that femininity makes us too vulnerable because let's just be honest, Our brothers could do a better job at protecting us, and thankfully our Israelite brothers are. Um, We think that femininity is just something that gets in the way of us doing work that is meaningful and substantial. But I would argue that a lack of femininity is why Black women are killing themselves with hard labor. Because we're not only doing men's jobs, we're doing those jobs in a masculine way. High rates of obesity, high rates of diabetes, high heart disease, high rates of cancer, all these diseases that are directly related to stress and stress response because we don't have or use femininity to our advantage. And we completely cast it away thinking that it's just going to slow us down. But the secret is that it enhances Your work and your ability to get your work done without the work doing you. You're not in the world anymore, sis. Your femininity is not putting you at risk anymore because real true femininity is not being gullible. It's not being susceptible to danger. It's not about dumbing yourself down in order to please men or people. Real true biblical femininity is about existing in the grace, love, safety and provision of divine masculine energy in the Most High so that you can do and be what He has called you to do and be. We don't have to put on a man's garment anymore to feed our families or provide a living. We get what we need from our Father, whether that's justice when somebody wrongs us or if it's safety when we feel afraid. When it comes to depending on the Most High, there's no such thing as being too dependent. That's what he is there for. He wants to pour his love into us to the point that it occupies all the space we have and are, and we become him. We become one flesh. We become one because we are his bride. If you are struggling with your femininity, and you feel as though you may be overdoing the adornments, or maybe you're being lazy by convincing yourself it's okay to do that because you're feminine, or you've just become proud and haughty with feminine adornments, take a step back. Take some time to re-examine Your beliefs about femininity versus what the scripture actually says femininity is and how our foremothers demonstrated it, so that we can grow, so that we will learn in our femininity instead of failing in it and saying, Oh, this doesn't bring out the best in me, so let me just completely throw it away. No, you don't have to be perfect in it, but you do need to be willing to receive correction to change to nurture yourself and to allow femininity to be a tool and not just the end goal. I hope that this has been so fruitful for you. And my prayer is that we as sisters continue to grow in femininity, biblical femininity, righteous and fruitful kingdom femininity, especially as older sisters, and I, I guess I can't say us because I'm not even 30, but you older sisters who are supposed to teach the young women to do and be and um, following the Titus 2 path, um, including femininity and womanhood and fulfilling the divine role of women in our community so that the younger sisters Don't grow up hating femininity or trying to do a man's job or do their job in a masculine way. And that us younger sisters will continue to be receptive to femininity in the biblical path and offering righteous sisterhood that can only come when we are secure and confident in the Most High and in the gifts that he's given us. Hallelujah. Amen. That is all for today's episode of Watered Womanhood. I hope you've been watered. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider making a small contribution towards the sustainability and production of the only biblical femininity podcast for Israelite women one dollar five dollars whatever y'all puts on your heart all donations make a difference and you can use the link in the description to get started be sure to follow favorite and leave a review wherever you're listening to make this podcast even more visible to other israelites remember that you can stay up to date and join us for some interesting dialogues at the hebrew housewife.com and go ahead and join my newsletter for some members only perks and with the peace of god rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful colossians chapter 3 verse 15 until next time shabbat shalom